Time is running out for the planet Earth. It's impervious to all voices. There's an intriguing sensation. It's a nuclear device. Fun, fun, fun! Yes, that's nice. Statistically speaking, of course, it's still the safest way to travel. It belongs to a creature from outer space. It's a bird! It's a plane! It's very important. It does not confuse. Hi, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Geek Shell Inherit. I'm Daniel Pick. And I'm Jason Lindsay. Hey, are you enjoying any of this new fall TV? You know, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. I've got some, I've got some in the queue, as they, as they say across the pond. Right. Now they're saying it here as well um uh, so i'm getting it in fits and spurts but i'm i'm ready to tuck in okay i'm ready for it to feel like the fall i'm done with the heat i'm done with the summer i'm done with all these damn kids wondering why aren't these damn kids in school stop bothering me stop throwing rocks at my fence stay out of my begonias out of my begonias and my begonias what and get back to school or i'll call the truant officer so you, you haven't you haven't caught anything like Gotham yet? Did you watch the premiere of that? I, missed, I have not caught Gotham yet. I am halfway okay. through Agents of Sheld. Okay. Agents of Sheld. Yes. Uh, halfway through that, I watched the premiere of The Blacklist, which I love. Oh yeah. I just find him so watchable. Yeah. Um, I just keep thinking Ultron, Ultron. Ultron. <laughs> I know it's it's impossible. Everything not to he's think doing that. is Ultron. Um. And um, what else did I watch? Um, Biggest Loser. Right. Two hour premiere of that. that? No. Two hours. Scorpion. Did you did you try Scorpion? Scorpio. What's Scorpio? Scorpion. What's Scorpion? Uh, it's a it's a show on CBS, the Tiffany Network. Uh, and it's it's Tiffany. Yeah, they call it the Tiffany Network. Why? Why? What's that mean? That's uh, that's just what they've always called it. That's kind of been their classic. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, and it's based on an actual kind of true scenario where I guess it was like an 11-year-old kid that has a higher IQ than Einstein hacked into NASA uh, and downloaded the plans for the space shuttle because he wanted to wallpaper his wall with them. What? And uh, he is actually now, because he is so smart, he is uh, a protected CIA asset. And so he's like a consultant. And it's kind of this team of misfits, really smart people that have no sort of emotional quotient uh, that have to sort of deal with these high-pressure situations fixing things. It's It's like misfits of science. It's kind of like Misfits of Science, but it, yeah, the premiere was so preposterous and so over the top and had a climax that is really not to be believed okay. that you just sit there with your mouth open going, well, this, that got on TV. Wow. That might be something to look at. I have to tell you that the Blacklist stuff is batshit insane. It just, it, it moves so quickly and it is so crazy. You just have to go with it. Uh, yeah. and, and, and give in to the absurdity. And it really rides along on it's, – it's a great premise. I mean, to me, it's, you, know, you, can't, you can't lose with this premise. But um, uh, it, it just – you have to just ride along, you know, go along for the ride. 
enjoy the the premise. And when he's on camera, I mean, it's it's okay when he's not on camera, but when he comes back and he's a focal point, man, it just yeah, he is dynamite on that show. Yeah, I just think he's and he is. You know, we've talked about this where he's 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 pulling a spader. I mean, he's you know he's he's doing what Shatner does or you know what whatever that says on the tin, you know, and, and some people have more of a range and well, I've seen him do some crazy things, but you get him, you know what you're going to get. You know what the guy, yeah. the guy does. And I think he does it best in this show than anything he's ever done. Yeah, um, totally. Then again, did you see him in, remember Lincoln? Did you ever see Lincoln? I did see Lincoln. Yeah. He's got a great part in there. He does. He's yeah. just over the top and goofy and yeah. uh, dark and comedic and everything. But um, it's nice to have. Well, it's funny. It's funny that this was sort of born out of uh, that creepy, offsetting character he played in The Office. You know, kinda, yeah. Just like I think they saw that and they went, "Oh, you know who'd be good for this thing? That guy." You know, but you know, to for have this be born out of that bizarre comedy, because you remember he used to be kind of on the periphery of the Brat Pack. He was. He was not this sort of brooding. Right. Uh, sort of stoic lion-in-waiting that he is now in everything. No, and he used to do, I mean, he did that medical uh, comedy-type drama. He did a, a romantic thing where, you know, uh, the place he was living in, Michael Caine, and I forget, was it Maggie Smith or someone else, were ghosts. Right, yeah. Him and taught him how to dance and be with a woman and stuff, and that was pretty broad. You know, he did something like Wolf. He was the, you know, the, the, the asshole in Wolf. Yep. Uh, against Nicholson, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's, but he, but he doesn't tend to be, you know, the nice boy next door who's going to marry, you know, the cute girl next door and they're going to go live happily ever after. There's, there's something wrong with him. <laughs> yes, that's he right. He might marry the cute girl next door, but then, you know, you may never see them again. Right. You know, he'll, he'll drive away somewhere. Um, so that's, uh, but it's, it's fun to watch. The dialogue is great. Some of the music cues I think are good. Some, I think get a little overbearing. There's a lot of loud music on this show. I don't know why they, they, they do the music cues the way they do. And I love the, the cavalcade of, of, uh, you know, assassins. Right. And this last one, they had someone, they used the name Lord Baltimore. Yep. Oh, we've got to find Lord Baltimore. Well, Lord Baltimore was one of the you know, of the two, of all the guy, all the gangs that were tracking Butch and Sundance in that film, Butch and Butch Sundance, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, they they had this moment where they realized they're they're being followed and it's from a distance, and each one of them says, you know, remember that time we were in the place thing with them? somebody was talking about a guy that could track anything and anywhere, and he see that guy way down there, and you're just looking at dots. The people are so far away, you're just looking at their dots. But you can see a guy with his ear to the ground. And uh, Redford's like, I think that's Lord Baltimore. That's him. No, and he only works out of out of Philadelphia. It's like, no, that's Lord Baltimore. And then a little while later, they find someone else. And no, he only works out of someplace. Else. And they realize they got the, the, the two best trackers that ever lived to try to get these guys to kill him. Right. Uh, but Lord Baltimore is where the name came from. I thought it was so cool. Yeah, yeah. little references like that here and there in the in the show, which are fun. If yeah, you're paying attention, uh, and I am. Um, yeah, so that that's what I've seen mainly. Uh, okay, what uh, what else is shaking? What are you, what are you excited about? You're always so excited. I wish you'd just stop being so excited about everything. 
I am so excited. excited about it. And this is this is what you know. I I don't. Well, I'm not gonna. I won't telegraph the the story. So, uh, I've been collect. Everyone knows I've been collecting those jumbo uh, Star Wars figures that Gentle Giant is doing. Yes, they are the 12 inch versions of the Kenner three and three quarter inch that we had as kids. Yes. And last year at Comic Con, they announced that they were doing the Wampa. Yes. Whoa, speaking of wampas. And it was like it's over twenty two inches tall. It was this hulking thing in the case. And then when when the thing came out, uh you know, they had pricing, it was like four hundred bones. And that's a lot of scratch to drop on one. Uh they did a special when they first announced it where you could get uh the the Hoth Luke free with it if you ordered it, you know, within this window. And I really struggled with that. You know, that's a lot of scratch to drop on one figure. That's a whole lot. And uh, just wrestled with it, and ultimately I did not pull the trigger on it. Mm. Well, they started showing up on eBay this week, and uh, we didn't really know how it was going to look in the package, but they, they made the, the giant box that the Wampa came in, you know, with the flap on right. it. It just looked cool. And then my buddy... Uh, Jay West, he he ordered one. He starts posting pictures online yesterday of it, and it's just gorgeous. And it's just like you know, you're kicking yourself, but it's just like ah, I just I, I couldn't do it. And uh, I got home from work yesterday, and the nice people at Gentle Giant, unbeknownst to me, had sent me one. Oh, look at that! And I I slept with it last night, just in my arms like a baby. Uh, I'm going to take it to the park later today. Take pictures. Um, I will. I'm, uh, I'm going to go to Target and get like a high chair for it. I just, uh, I, I, my excitement for that thing can barely be contained. You knew that you needed more stuff. Yeah. And it's, I mean, uh, I can count on my nostrils the amount of times that Gentle Giant has sent me anything. Uh, it is few and far between. So, I, and I and I don't know who was responsible for sending it to me either. Just completely out of the blue. So, thank you to them. It's best uh, not I'm gonna, to even ask. That's right. I've, I'll be taking pictures of it. I'm going to do a, a video feature on it up on AFI. I'm going to do that this weekend, and then uh, you'll see me around town carrying it uh, like Yoda in a backpack, uh, doing Jedi training. Picket and Wampa this fall on yes. ABC. That's right. Now, uh, are you? Is it the same old Wampa where he just his head doesn't move, but his arms are like spring loaded to like crush people? That's right. Yes. And so he's just the the, the plastic Wampa from we remember when we were kids. Yes. Arms, you know, go up and down. Legs go back and forth. Big flipper hands. Big flipper hands that just got kind of that one foot that has the angle on it where he looks like he's kind of stepping forward. Crushes other figures with his might. Yeah. And that's that's it. He's a he's a simple simple little creature with simple skills. That's right. All right. Sticking sticking people to glacial roofs and you know eating tauntauns. Sticking it to the man. That's right. All yes. right. Good for good for you and the wampa. Yes. How about you? Don't, what do you? Don't say? keep him out too long because oh, can't be out in the heat for too long. That's true. I don't think it'll be like that uh, that Bugs Bunny cartoon when the abominable snowman <laughs> visited him in Florida. Believe me, I'm going to. Uh, that's part of my day today is going to PetSmart and getting a book on how to care for your wampa. Yeah, 
because I don't want to screw this up. You're going to need a cooler. Right. And some ice. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, cold drinks. They, they love they love Capri Sun. I can tell you that. Oh, oh, that's good not to know. Room, okay. not, that's good tip. not room temperature either. No, no, it's got to be cold. Come on, be, he's from Hawk. I mean, they like they like Lunchables. Uh huh. To be truthful, but you can you might as well just grab the Capri Sun and the and the Twix or whatever, and they're not really into the the sandwiches or the pizza. But I feel like I should be writing this down. Yeah, it's good. It's good information. I'll send you a complete list, a complete diet and uh, you know hobby list. Oh, that'd be great. That's very helpful. Thank My family you. used to raise wampas. Oh, really? In, in Italy, yeah. Oh, that's great. Where they migrated to to Hoth. Uh-huh. So that's very cool. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, it's going to be a little more um, uh, vague <laughs> of what okay. I'm excited about. I'm just excited about uh, a lot of stuff that we're doing that Biff Bang Pow is in the midst of. We've made these announcements with uh, Kiss and Flash Gordon and, uh, you know, to remind that that you are doing that yeah, we're doing, doing the retro for you know toys for but also you know all kinds of sundries as well you know those those things that people really were drawn to like prop replicas and license plate frames and journals and tins and drinkware etc that we did for twilight zone and six million dollar man and you know um other properties we're going to be doing for those titles so uh in many ways uh, especially something like Flash Gordon is going to be getting like a complete merchandise push that it never got when it was out, certainly. And right. you know, then we came along and did the first line that we did, which was the biggest merchandise push that the film ever got, just a handful of figures we made uh, and bobbleheads. But now we're going to do some really funky, fun stuff. Uh, and where Kiss is concerned, very exciting. If, you, if everybody likes what we're doing with the Big Bang Theory um, uh, figures and the the cutout pop out cardboard backgrounds that come with them. Uh huh. We're trying to make that a through line with our three and three quarter inch figures. So oh, nice. Whatever, whatever you know, design we, whatever range we go after, whatever uh, license we go after, we're going to be doing you know scenes from Flash Gordon, scenes from uh, Kiss, either album covers or you know concert venues, you know stadium stage stage equipment and whatever that, you know, if you get the four characters or the five or the six or whatever it is, put them together, you've got maybe the throne room scene at the opening of, you know, Flash Gordon and all the characters can kind of stand there. Uh, Just a bit of added value for this stuff that kind of brings it back to a different time again uh, and gives a little something extra that, you know, we may not be able to make. I think that alien place that I, I, you know, that, that fun could, I think it was successful for the most part, but, um, and I, and I give my hat off, and I'm just speaking honestly. And I'm not, you, you know, how much I love the alien stuff. I, I bought everything. I bought everything. I bought two sets, and I'm sure I'm going to get all the new characters. Um, but it's it's funky trying to do a, a place that uh, economically and with with a with a wink to the past uh, uh-huh. and some functionality and and so on. And that to me was an example of you know it looked it looked nice you know out of the bo- in the box. And then, you know, once you got it out, it just was kind of, it was just nothing. It was just a background and some eggs, you know. Uh, you know, I like the, I have a kick sometimes for those mini play sets. Like, you remember what Galoob did? Where, like, Galoob had the alien license for a bit, and they did, like, a miniature Narcissus 
Oh, sure, yeah. With, you know, Ripley asleep in the little chamber and the alien comes out and, and so on. And then there was like one they did of um, an alien head. And then you opened it and it, it was, you know, there were different levels of the Nostromo and things that went on in the Nostromo. Uh, and at one point, there's a, a little tiny figure of John Hurt with the alien coming up through his chest that just, you can spin it on a wheel. <laughs> right. around. I love stuff like that. Um, uh, and I always dreamed about doing little miniature things like that for Flash Gordon as well. But, but if we, if we can't make, you know, uh, you know, like a Star Wars cantina type play set, if, if that just, if the market just isn't there for it, then the next best thing is giving, giving the fans a little something extra with the action figure and making their little, little scenes that, you know, come right out of, out of the movie. Um, and now we're just about to officially announce uh, another license, um, which I, I really can't say much about. But if anyone is familiar with us and our past and what we've done, they will be very familiar with what we're going to go back to do again. Can you say uh, even if it is a movie or TV show? It is a it is a movie. Okay. It is a movie, and um, um, we're going to be doing the same thing. This time it's going to be three and three quarter inch, you know, four inch figures. Uh, hopefully, uh, vehicles. Uh, oh, driving Miss Daisy. Driving Miss Daisy. Cannot, I cannot wait. Cannot keep yeah. it in. Anyway. Hoke in the front. And if it works, uh, we're going to do Cocoon right after that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Wilford, Looking forward to Wilford that. Brimley with real uh, hard-on action. Right. And then, like, what you were talking about, like the drinkware and the peripheral stuff, will you sell Wilford Brimley mustaches then? Sure. It'll be, it'll be a Brimley tash. As you raise the mug to your lips, the tash will be semi-attached to the edge of the mug. Okay. Pull the mug down, instant Brimley. Oh, I love we'll call it. that a Brimley. Right. Instant Brimley. Yeah. That's weird. You look it up on uh, Urban Dictionary. I think a Brimley is something different than what you're thinking of. It probably is. Uh, I think Brimley was like, I think he, in that movie, he was youngest by like 10 or 20 years. Anybody in that cast. Yeah. In other words, like the guys like Don Amici, they were like in their early 70s. Yes. But I think Brimley was only like early 50s. But he just... Uh, I think you're right. He yeah. carried himself Early to mid. like he was that much older, you know. But he wasn't. He was also in uh, the Twilight Zone movie, wasn't he? Well, uh, in which was thing? He in Kick the Can? Was he not in that? I can't remember. Wasn't it like Scatman Crothers and Scatman Crothers? I thought for sure he was too, but maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Um, I can't remember. Anyway, so that's just exciting when things come together and. Uh, uh, you know, I'm putting designs together and making lists and checking them twice. And, you know, what character should come with this, this, this. And what if we... So when, when do you think we'll get that announcement? Um, very soon. I think we're going to have physical things to show at uh, New York Toy Fair. Uh, but little teases will probably come out before then. And the plan is to have a good chunk of merchandise up and running for, for Comic-Con. Oh, great. Okay. You know, so right around the corner. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's just great to design this stuff and to go, oh, no, but he needs to come with the thing. And then you got to have the, you know, the cape should be down to here. And it's because it's that scene with and it's like I get I'm getting to make 
these toys that I sat there in the theater dreaming of thinking when we go to the mall tomorrow I'm going to look all over the shopping mall they've got to have Flash Gordon action figures because I'm watching the movie right now there's got to be toys right so now we're now we're doing it nice Um, on that note speaking of second wave of reaction alien figures was announced yeah they were Uh, Ripley 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 having coffee Ripley in a spacesuit and Ripley just talking to a friend. Okay. Holding her kitty. Yeah. That is not true at all. What do we got? Uh, so we have, we do have Ripley in the spacesuit, but uh, it is her suit, and it's actually, they actually paid attention to detail where it's the difference in like the compression suit and the other suit, so there's not, like not a light on the helmet. Right. They actually redid the helmet, oh, so that's nice. Okay. Uh, they have Kane with the chestburster, which we kind of knew was coming, yes. because we saw him in that sparkly and clear set at the, Comic-Con. I got the sparkly Kane. Yep, and we saw Ripley in the spacesuit there, too. Uh, then his regular Kane, right? It's Kane without yep, it? Yep, there's regular Kane. And then they have repainted the alien big chap in the same deco as the old 12-inch Kenner Alien, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I, mean, I like that. Yeah, I just uh, I'm on the fence. You know, I might I might get them. I really I, I love that first batch because it was so specific. This missing part of, of toy history, and I love the early bird kit and the packaging and everything. Um, I'm just not sure. Just kind of on the fence of where I can go next with this stuff. But but I love that they're doing it and that it's out there and. Uh, yeah, and that they're they're uh, you know clearly doing this stuff with with, with love and and tender care. Uh, speaking of, well, I'm I'm in. I'm fully in. Yeah, I just I you know I might get here I might get them here or there, but if it ends up being having to buy a case kind of thing, it's like I I don't know. Um, I I don't know so much because I really love that first set, and I'm not sure it can get much much better. Um, but um, speaking of all these things and likeness issues and soft likenesses, and which is really becoming the norm. I mean, truly, uh, this stuff, you know, the Funko stuff, all of it is really becoming these very soft um, likenesses that, um, you know, are, are meant to sort of resemble the time period that these might have been, been made in. Right. Um, but, you know, in addition, there's, I think there's digital sculpts being made and there aren't, um, you know, they're not getting likeness rights and everything. So they're doing what they, what they can, you know, the, I actually picked up, I had some, some coupons, some credit at the Toys R Us and I picked up Marty McFly and Doc Brown. Oh, nice. Yeah. They're starting to hit at Toys R Us. I wasn't going to do originally. And you know, if you squint in your eyes and you're standing on your head and it's kind of dark out, and you've had a couple of drinks. At you know one or two angles, it might kind of look like a bit of Christopher Lloyd, maybe. Okay. But but, uh, but it doesn't. Um, but you know, if it, this may be the only way we're going to get these characters, and I you know want to play with your DeLorean, I, I get it. But um, there was a note. Is that a euphemism? That is more than a euphemism. But there was a note that someone put on uh, the the Geek Shell and Herod page on AFI. Uh-huh. And I, I can read it now rather than respond to it online. I thought the next time we recorded, I could just uh, discuss it. Jim Abel or yeah. Bell. I'm not sure if he's a 
Opaliors, or how to pronounce his, his name. He is. He's one of the mods on AFI, actually. Well, Jim says, uh, since Jason mentioned his hopes for Simpsonized Beatles, I'll ask bo- of both of you, is there a reason that no one has made realistic versions of the band? I know that I'd love to have a set of Sgt. Pepper in 1964 style. Even the Abbey Road Crossing and the Let It Be concert would be welcome. Is there some sort of holdout on likeness rights, or is it something else completely? The cartoon figures McFarlane made years ago were fantastic and on model, but realistic portraits would be fantastic to own. Um, Yes, I can tell you from personal experience, uh, and even not too long ago, just about the only thing that you can license for the Beatles is Yellow Submarine these days. Anything related to Yellow Submarine, how they look in Yellow Submarine, Action figures, the 12-inch figures that Factory Entertainment did, um, you know, bobbleheads, plush, all come from Yellow Submarine uh, and how they look in, in that film. Um, McFarlane did the cartoon, the 64, 65 cartoon version. I don't think those are available anymore. You can find them like on eBay and stuff. Um, but they just, um, they, they absolutely refuse to have anything sculpted in their likeness. Now, one of the things that I had heard, and I'm not, this isn't like a, I I don't know how much truth there is to this, but it's a, it's a well-known sort of thing that it, it, it had something to do with, uh, something that was sculpted years ago, the Hamilton, uh, figures that were done in the late eighties, early nineties, the set that was done that they were unhappy with, but that still got released. And right. that has uh, kind of, I think that the only other thing I can think of between then and now was a uh, Hallmark did a um, ornament set uh-huh. it was a, in a big box. And it was, you know, the likenesses were pretty good. And it was an ornament set of the whole band and Ringo's big drum kit. Um, I don't even know what happened to mine. But um, but that's probably worth a pretty penny these days because that's about the only thing I can think of in the last 20 some years that was, you know, a direct uh, sculpt. Um, now, I about the Hamilton things. I, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school here because I've uh, those were sculpted by Tim Bruckner. Yes, and I've had a conversation with him about it. Uh, apparently, the you know the Beatles themselves, no one in the band ever saw those. And as he was sculpting them for Hamilton, they were going, I forget the guy's name that was handling it for them. Uh, Very uh, sort of controlling and, but still sort of distant guy. Okay. And when Tim turned in the sculpt for John, the guy's only note was his inseam is incorrect. Okay. Now that that's a very strange measurement to know of another person. Yes. Wouldn't you think? I, it's a, it's a uh, I'm not sure I've ever had such a specific direction given. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that that's just a little window into how that project went. Well, you know, a lot of these processes are crazy and you're dealing with deadlines and you're dealing with the right hand not knowing the left hand, you know. Um, I, I certainly, I've had experiences with Tim. I can only relate my experiences. I don't know what went on with this process, but I'd I'd always heard that that was, that was one of the, 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 the issues was how those turned out or whatever camp 
eventually, maybe it wasn't even them seeing them and signing off. Maybe it was someone else and then, you know, putting the kibosh. I, I don't know at that point because that was early 90s, I think. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's hard to know. But, um, you know, it's it's a sad, you know, the more we do this and it's like, like right now we're dealing with the KISS team and they've been terrific. Like ask for something and we're, we get it, you know, say we want to try something like this and they're open to it. Um, they've been very, very accessible and very much like, let's do this and make it really cool. And it's so nice to have that with a big organization. It's funny because, you know, I, every now and then I'm, I, I pick up a new piece of Doctor Who, you know, a toy or a book or something, and it, I get that tear that goes down the right side of my face, still thinking, oh, what we were going to do, all the things we had planned, all we were going to do. And everything we did was a hit. You know, every every category we chose and everything out of that category was a hit and did really well. And yeah. I'm watching this documentary on um, one of the special edition DVDs, Doctor Who DVDs. I just, I don't know, I was reading a book about the show and I thought, oh, I'll pop the show in. Well, there was an extra on there about the new adventures. When the show went off the air, Virgin Publishing got a hold of the rights to make things called new adventures. And with starting with Sylvester McCoy, they kind of kept the the legend alive while it was uh-huh. off the air. And then eventually Paul McGann and the Eighth Doctor, that character came in. And new companions were introduced, and they would be able to tell new stories with old doctors. And, and it was as if the closest that the fans had to the show still being on the air. Right. But it also got people like Paul Cornell, Russell T. Davis, and Mark Gatiss to write for the first time in the world of Doctor Who. They were, uh-huh. they were getting you know, writing jobs, doing stuff. Um, one example is there was a story called uh, Human Nature, which was eventually under the Russell T. Davis reign, it was a David Tennant story, became the two-parter, which was called um, The Family of Blood, where, right. where yeah. he goes back and he's a headmaster at a school and loses his mm-hmm. memory. That was out of one of these you know, expanded adventure books. So there was some really good stuff, I guess. I never read any of these things. But then they tell the story, and Mark Gatiss tells it to the screen. And, you know, Mark Gatiss is uh, now, now doing Sherlock. He plays Mycroft on Sherlock and everything. And he said, yeah, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this thing was up and running and doing really well. And out of nowhere, BBC comes in, and he said, and I don't care who's listening to this or hears this right now, but he said the BBC comes in in, in their fashion, and just yanks it away, and the rights are no longer with Virgin, and they're back with the BBC, and all of that is just ground to a halt. They just suddenly take it back in their fashion, in, in, in the way that they do things, the history of the network and its, its hierarchy, its structure. This is what they do. And it just, again, brought the little tear to my face, like, mother, you know, they did it to us, they did it, they just, they're doing it to Big Chief, you know, the big chief people doing yep. the big 12-inch, they just got screwed. Yep. They can no longer sell the, their toys in, in the U.S. or Canada. Oh. You can buy directly from their website, but they none of the other like online retailers yep. can buy and redistribute yep. them. So, uh, yeah, it just stinks. It's really sad because uh, I wanted to do so much more with, with that. But we're going to do it with all these other things that are going to be very cool. And we're, we're, we're playing with some other things as well and we're playing with you know there's a couple of of titles that we 
I never really mention, but we are constantly knocking on their door until we get a yes, basically. Okay. We're not giving up. Um, can we talk? Now, one other one other thing, yeah. just on the the Beatles note. Yeah. Do we think there's any sort of loophole where you could license? like the rock band video game version of them. Well, it's funny you ask that because not too long ago, I was working on three different proposals for three different sort of British centric properties. Um, two, I'll remain nameless. One of which was the Beatles. And, um, in all those conversations, I, I tried going that way and tried saying, but well, wait a second, but what about, what about, um, you know, depictions? What about, for example, um, album covers? You know, okay. just straight depiction off of album covers, making figures that way, or, or something that's, you know, more stylized that someone did, like uh, the Fifth Beatle uh, graphic novel, you know, trying to do them that way, or the animated bit, in the rock band or any of the rock band stuff. Oh, I got to look into that. Cause that, that might be something there. There could be something there. I never heard back. I tried several times, uh, but there may be something else that is in the process of creatively happening. That may be something that, you know, just hasn't been able to be done. And there may be a loophole, but, uh, but it's also a personal thing for me. So, um, uh, you know, Fingers crossed. Um, okay. Let's. Can we talk about something that I don't think we talked about this last time? Did we talk about the new range of Pixar toys that are out? We have, did not get a chance to talk about uh, these. These are out by Thinkway Toys, and uh, some of them are, are repre- repackaged toys. They're re-releases. Releases of things that they have put out previously, that, but, but not much. There's not. There's only a few that are you know that I can that I can see. Um, but they, it, it basically covers uh, Finding Nemo, Wall-E, The Incredibles. Um, uh, what am I missing? I thought there was something else. Maybe it's those four. I think there is something else. Finding Nemo, Wall-E, The Incredibles. I can't think of it. Yeah, and they, it's, it's a wide range of stuff. So there's like little mini you know, PVC-type stylized figures that look like those DC ones that were done way back that you were collecting. Uh, then there's slightly larger ones that are action figure size, like three-inch action figure size with limited articulation of um, Syndrome and Mr. Incredible and Dash and Nemo with you know moving eyes when you move his tail and you know Dot, stuff like that. Then there's another set, a range of figures, where Mr. Incredible is about six inches tall, you know, ooper duper posability, yes. um, and a, some couple of accessories. And there's a, a Wall-E that moves around and plays with rocks or whatever. There's a there's an Eva that does stuff. Then there's two different Wall-Es that are like remote control. One is well, actually one is interactive. I think the other one is more remote control with actual remote control device to you know run them around the room and stuff. The other one I think interacts with another electronic. Eva, and then there's an electronic Mr. Incredible. When you press the button on his chest, his mouth moves. He's got a rubber face, and his mouth kind of moves. 
He does some action karate chop things and says loads of stuff in Craig T. Nelson's voice. But I mean, and and there is a talking Doug from Up. And there's a talking Doug from Up, which I have. I have one that came out when the movie came out. Do you remember that one? Yeah. And it was like a promotional thing that they had it. I swear it was like Virgin. Virgin probably gone by then. So maybe it was like um, Best Buy or someplace where if you got the movie, you could buy this Doug. And he's brilliant. And he, you know, you press the thing. And he's like, my name is Doug. And the little thing on his neck lights up. Um, and, and there's like a, also in that line, there's a plush uh, Finding Nemo. Yes. It does different things. Anyway, I remember just coming around the corner one day and just being so shocked by this whole line of stuff. And they're in this great sort of white packaging. Beautiful packaging. Uh, and, yeah, it's got a new header like at Toys R Us. I've only seen them at Toys R Us. Yeah, they're really nice overall. And the the, the design, the packaging design is terrific. Uh, kind of hard to to walk away from that aisle and not pick something up. Uh, I picked up Little Nemo. I picked up the large talking Mr. Incredible. Uh, I picked up the smaller, you know, the the, the six-inch action figure Mr. Incredible. Um, You know, but just just fun to see that stuff. And I'd love to see where else it's going to go because it kind of came out of nowhere. And how are those six-inch figures? Are they pretty good? Did you open it? Oh, yeah. The the Mr. Incredible is fantastic. Okay. Great, great articulation. He comes with an, the the accessory is like the the big robot that he fights and he rips off one of the arms. Yeah. Can clip that onto his arm and he can use that as a weapon. Um, and he's got a stand. He comes with a, a stand that he can click onto as well. Okay. So that's fun. Um, uh, speaking of of just fun weird things, I should say this. Uh, I got asked to participate in a project a little bit ago. Uh, to host a pilot uh, on camera, and it's about uh, collectors and like model makers, okay. custom, custom models, you know, old models, um, modify existing things, modify existing action figures to customize them, etc. And um, the idea being, um, you know, a competition type show with. Um, you know, judges and uh, contestants, and then some yabo like me uh, walking the audience through it and talking to the contestants and talking to the judges and trying to look cool. So we shot a teaser, uh, sort of a, a pilot, uh, last week, and uh, just kind of waiting to hear what the what the network thinks, if they even want to do the show, and God knows whether they'd even want me involved or not. So is it like you have three different customizers and they say make an Iron Man or do they just give them sort of a general like make a scary clown or how does that work? exactly? I think it'll vary, but I think it'll tend to be more specific. So it could be something like, all right, here's a here's a shot from Jaws where Richard Dreyfuss is down in the shark cage looking for the shark. We need you to recreate that scene and here are the materials you've got to work with. Go. And they've got to come up with something incredible, you know, with uh, a pack of gum and uh, 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 an empty shotgun shell, right? Uh, some marzipan, chicken wire, and uh, a bag of down. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. 
but uh, we'll see. We shall see. Yeah. All right. And that sounds interesting. We shot at a, a, a hobby shop in Burbank called Burbank Hobby or Burbank Land of Hobbies or something. It's real throwback because it's nothing but model kits. Yeah, yeah. I've been cast cars and model kits. I mean, it's hard to – can't step through the door. I'm like, oh, I've got to buy that and I want that. Definitely have to buy that. You know, I bought like three things before I left. Huh. Uh, so, so that was that was fun. So, oh, fingers crossed that could be oh, cool. that could be fun. Uh, nice. What have you been What have you been watching? Or what have you been looking at lately? Well, uh, just real quick, I think we should acknowledge we got a lovely care package from uh, listener and comic book artist extraordinary Art Balthazar. We did. Yes. So I met him. I don't know if I even told you this that I met him at I tracked him down at Comic Con and talked to him. Uh, oh, yeah, I think you did. And I was saying, okay. sorry that I missed him, but thanks. He's always really good about uh, complimenting us and stuff. He, yeah, he retweets every time we post an episode. Yeah. Really, really great. And he's got his own podcast, too, that everyone should check right. out. But uh, he sent us both a lovely care package. You did? That, that, yeah, so we, could, we get to split it. <gasps> what is it? So what is he, it? Well, we got some of the... Uh, animated uh the his little plush cats that he does what that he writes the comic about we each got one of those and uh we got uh, we each got one of the itty bitty hellboy uh uh graphic novels cool the, the yeah and uh we got several of his comics that were signed oh, cool and maybe even like a, a sketch or two oh man you're kidding yeah that's awesome yeah. Dude, we never get care packages. I know. It was very nice of him. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I need to see that stuff very soon because I've got great places to put it up in the house. Yes. In the office. And uh, he's actually selling those little, those kitties, you know, that are part of his Aw, Aw Yeah comics. Yeah. Uh, and it's over at, uh, check out com. He's got such a great got- name. Yes. You know, with a name like that, it's like, you better be an artist or something. You know, you can't just be regional manager of, you know, J. Crew. <laughs> right, right. You know, you have a name like that, you, you deserve to be doing something, you know, creative. But he's got, you know, he's got such a great distinctive style mm-hmm. uh, for all that stuff. And, the, you know, the itty bitty Hellboy is cool. He, You know, he did some stuff for... DC, he did like those tiny titans. Uh, he's been doing uh, like the action cat thing with uh, the, the Captain Action guys. And didn't he get something like an Eisner or something similar? He just did. Yeah, yeah, we did. That's right. Yeah. That's when we talked about yeah. it the other day. Because he did. He won a, an Eisner. So, yeah, we got some of his all yeah comics featuring action cat. Uh, oh, oh yeah. And I actually haven't. I haven't had a chance to read them yet because my my wife was standing there as I opened the package and she was like, "Oh, I, I want to look at these," <laughs> and ran off with them. I love so. them. Slowly but surely, she's giving into the dark side. She was never. She was always. She likes to play a good game. Like she was not a nerd, but you know, she was watching Doctor Who on PBS. You know, with her dad and stuff back in the day, way before me. Yeah, but she knew stuff. But but. 
but her appreciation, don't you feel like that's changed? And then, and then she thought, well, if I dig this, maybe I'll try this, and then I'll try that. Hasn't that increased quite a bit over the years? Uh, yeah. Wouldn't you say? Is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and even the collecting. Like, she never really cared to collect anything physically. I remember having that conversation with her where it was like she couldn't understand. She's like, well, I don't understand what it is about men that they feel the need to collect. I'm like, I know. You know, if it's a band that you're into and you want – you want every every track and every B side and alphabetical order and all. I, just, I don't know, but but I said, do you have anything like that in your world? And she kind of joked. She's like, maybe shoes, right? Maybe yeah. something like that. But you know, I don't know what's so what the big deal is. So it's it's fun to hear her, you know, picking up, you know, My Little Ponies and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so I'll put some of the pictures of the stuff that Art sent us. Yes. But if you would like, if you would like your own. Action Cat Plush, because he is adorable, uh, you can go to awyeahcomics.com. I'm going to do that right now. That's a, no, no, you get one. He sent you one. Yeah. I want. You can buy other things, T-shirts, comics, buttons and things. Yeah, I want to see. That's what, fun. Uh, I want to see what it looks like. Aw, yeah? Yeah. A-W, yeah, Y-E-A-H, comics.com. Awyeahcomics.com. Aw, Yeah. Oh, the kitty! Look at how cute the little kitty is. Yeah, he's got he's winking. He's got he's got a little red face and he's winking with his yellow eyes. <laughs> okay, I don't know where you're going now, but oh, that's cute. These are like yeah. these are like handmade. Uh, well, I don't know. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, they look great. Oh my, I, that's brilliant. I can't wait to get mine, and I will get more for for other people because that's too damn cute. It really is. That's re- and you can read about his adventures in some of the comics that you get. That is awesome. Can't wait to get this stuff. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. What else we got? Well, uh, you know, Hot Toys is bound and determined to make sure I have no money left. I know where you're going with this, and I think you're going to be surprised what my response is going to be. So they announced their... Uh, you know, right around Comic-Con, they announced they were teaming with Sideshow to make Star Wars characters. Now, Sideshow has already been making some Hot Toys-esque Star Wars characters. They've done Darth Vader. They've done the Bespin Luke. And uh, the R2-D2 is coming soon. So they just announced this week that they're doing Han Solo and Chewbacca in that 12-inch scale. And what is your reaction to that? Well, my reaction was, ooh, these are pretty cool. Look at the detail and this, oh, Chewie's got hair and whatever. And um, I showed a picture of Han to my wife and I said, do you think that looks like me? Just as a joke. And she's like, uh, no, who is it though? I said, it's Han Solo. She goes, well, who took the, what's the, what's the picture from? I said, it's not a picture, it's a, because she looked confused. I said, it's actually, it's a, it's a picture, but it's a, a picture of a sculpt. And instantly, she's like, it doesn't look like him. doesn't look anything like him. And I was like, oh, interesting. Because, again, we've talked about this a thousand times. Uh, Harrison Ford is in the top five Hall of Fame of most difficult actors to get the likeness right. Um, he's been sculpted more than just about anyone. But you can count on one hand the number of times... He's been sculpted the right way. It's something about something about that face that's just difficult to capture for some reason. 
and something about it just doesn't quite feel right to me. They look amazing. The quality is amazing, of course. Chewy, I, I think, could have looked a little better. He looks a little... Um, I like him a little more shaggy and a little more, um, you know, Empire Strikes Back kind of, but then a, a bit of Star Wars towards the end of Star Wars and Empire. Um, right, but these these are both specifically Episode Four versions right, of them. Right, but you know what I mean. He's he's very yeah. slick looking, and and they're they're really good. Um, and believe me, I was even tempted to go. Hmm, well, if I do the uh, if I do a payment a month and you know whatever, um, I'm just not loving that sculpt of Harrison Ford. I've got the ones, I've got the sideshow Empire Strikes Back Han from about uh-huh. four years ago, I think, where if you called or did something like immediately, you got the Minoc that came with it. Right, yep. And then like a year later, they came out with Smuggler Han, and that was supposed to be the definitive 12-inch Han Solo figure from sideshow. Um, which I think improved on the sculpt that was, uh, you know, the the Empire Strikes Back one. Um, so they're nice, but I just kind of, at a certain point, it's like, I I don't know. Then I even looked at the Empire one, where he's in his in his snow in his snowsuit, and I didn't think that was terrific. So, but that that's a sideshow one. That's not a Hot Toys one. Yeah. Okay. That's that's yeah. I, I I'm not seeing a huge a huge amount of difference here and there. But well, the Hot Toys to me, it looks like, and I know not everyone is happy with the sculpt, but to me that looks like sort of mid movie Harrison Ford, you know, kind of just shaggy hair, just taking the stormtrooper helmet off. Like I can see that, and it looks better at some angles than others. Uh-huh. Now, if you remember uh, when they announced the Chris Pratt Star-Lord Guardians of the Galaxy figure, that likeness was way off. Right. And this week they showed new pictures of that head sculpt because they heard the fan outcry. And, boy, it, it's photorealistic of Chris Pratt now. Well, and wait, that's a, it's a vast improvement. That's a 12-inch figure you're talking about? Yeah, the 12-inch Hot Toys Chris Pratt oh, Star-Lord. I see, I see, I see. Yeah. Yeah. So they went back to the drawing board on that head, and that could possibly, you know, the Han and Chewie don't ship till April of next year, so they've got some time to do some work. And uh, you know, I'm, I've always been of a mixed mind on the Hot Toys. Like I've got, I've got the um, the Marlon Brando, the Godfather. Okay. That was Hot Toys, and it's it's absolutely yes, it gorgeous. I mean, it's just it's like they took a photo, and the, I mean, it's 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 so dead on. It's it's scary how how beautiful this this figure is. And to finally get something for the Godfather, it's like, well, I had to get this thing. Um, and I, and I, I'm, you know, I like a lot of hot toy stuff. I, I, I admire it from afar, but I don't ever, I don't think I ever want to go down that road. Um, it's just big stuff to collect. It's very, very expensive to collect. And what's more, some of it, it kind of gets to a point where it's like, you know, I, I know what, I got a pretty good idea what some of this stuff costs and these licenses and how you can spread things out. They're, they're doing awfully well uh, with, with the pricing on this stuff. And, you know, uh, if someone else came along and did similar quality and cut those prices in half, that's where everybody would go. Because I, I think they're the only, the only gang in town doing what they're doing. But um, 
I hear bad things all the time about quality control and, you know, material disintegrating after a year and, you know, things like that. And, you know, when you're paying six, seven, eight hundred dollars for a figure, that's that's a heavy, heavy burden, you know. Um, yeah. So I have I have mixed feelings. It's, it's taking it to a level of like, whew, man, I don't I don't ever want to get into that that uh, that pool because it's just and also just uh, even some of the sideshow stuff I have, it's hard to take it out and really enjoy it and really just have it out and like, look, I'm going to take this out and have a look at it tonight for a couple of hours and put it back in the case or whatever, you know, um, like this Mister Incredible figure. It's just a fun big, heavy Mr. Incredible figure to, you know, play with and his arms do things and he presses the button, he talks and he does things. It looks like it came right out of the movie. It'd be cool to have one that, you know, was like a Hot Toys one with a cloth outfit and a body and different heads and fingernails that come on and off and, you know, whatever. But sometimes I feel like that stuff is so fragile that you, I know they're not made for like taking in the tub and shit, but if it's a choice between one or the other, I'd rather have the one that I can, you know, take out and, you know, fondle every now and then um i find this stuff generally it, you know people put some of it out and a lot has to just go back in boxes and and be put away for a rainy day because there's just they're big and you know they need their their space because they're so so precious such precious things precious things you know i see but uh but you know everybody's everybody does their own thing and uh and they, you know, should be allowed to to do so. Um, Lego. Something I saw about Lego was going to ask you about Lego. Uh, let's talk about Doctor Who. Now that you mentioned Doctor Who a minute ago, um, are you loving Capaldi's portrayal as much as I am? Uh, probably not. Tell me what you're. Tell me what you're feeling. Uh, I'm still kind of getting used to him. Okay. I would say. Okay. I'm not saying I'm not enjoying it. But, uh, and part of it, I feel like some of the episodes just haven't been as strong this season so far. I, yeah, I, yeah, I would agree. They, they have these moments. Like there are, like in the one, what was the one called? Listen? Yes. There were a couple of moments in there that to me were right up there in like top 20 moments of the show coming back. Uh, but then it just did not come together as a whole. Uh, and it took a while to get where it was going. But it, it, each of these episodes, they have little moments, but nothing has really blown me away as a, as a full story or full episode. Right. Yeah. You know, he's a much he's a much crabbier doctor, which, you know, I, I, th- I think I, we said on the show, it needed to change direction a bit because it can't keep ratcheting up wackier and wackier and wackier. Because at some point you're just you know it's like snapping in a dog's face. You're just gonna sit there and blink and want to turn away. Uh, but yeah, I mean he's he's doing all right, and I'm I'm still enjoying it. But I haven't been bowled over this season. Well, I think part of it too, and it 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 really is. It it can't be denied at this point. Plenty of things have been said in interviews, and Moffat has sort of alluded to it. It's a very very different portrayal of the Doctor. Very different. This is this is this is more radical. I mean, Colin Baker, Sixth Doctor, was radical and is kind of the most despised Doctor of all because they tried doing something with him. It didn't work, but they tried to make him very prickly and very unpleasant uh, and combative with 
all the companions that anybody sort of you know ran into, which was sort of a throwback to William Hartnell. But it was it, people didn't take to him anyway. But then there were problems with the show, and that's when it initially got canceled for 18 months back in '85, and then it came back briefly, and then he got fired, and then Sylvester McCoy, and then it limped on for a couple of years. But people look back in Colin Baker as this very prickly. Um, somewhat cowardly portrayal. Uh, you know, they went along the way they, they've gone. They had the, the Paul McGann thing, which was, you know, a very uh, universally kind of liked version, and he took bits of different different uh, incarnations. Uh, Christopher Eccleston comes out with a, you know, as a man with a vengeance, and he's certainly got a chip on his shoulder, but he's, he's fun. He likes to laugh now and then. And then it gets better with Tennant, and by the time you get to Matt Smith, it's, he's the life of the party, you know? And I think yeah. it's really ballsy and smart to do things the way they, they, they have been doing them in this, in this new show to shake things up and say, we can go along the way we've been going and probably do just fine, or we can, you know, give the show a bit of an enema and make some changes. And, you know, Capaldi as a choice is a great choice, but just by virtue of his acting style and his appearance, you know it's not going to be the Matt Smith, uh, you know, David Tennant, where all the, all the companions are lusting after him. But you know, what you don't kind of expect is just how cold of a character he's become. And what he's become is really, and I said this before, I said it like in the, the second episode, there were things that he was saying in the second episode, things he was doing, that I thought, wow, this is really telegraphing who they're trying to tell us this doctor is. And it, he really is a throwback to Tom Baker to the, and you know, and, and he, Tom Baker got more wacky as he went along. But if you go back and look at the first couple of seasons, first, you know, dozen stories, half dozen stories of Tom Baker's, it's very similar. You know, um, Stephen Moffat made a, made a funny little uh, comment where he said, you know, Tom Baker is the guy, he's the genius. He's the, he's the Sean Connery, you know, but it's like, unfortunately, if he was a real guy, you would think he was a bit of a dick. Hmm. Uh, you know, he is the smartest guy in the room, and uh, he wants you to know it, and he's just the way he kind of treats people. And that's a bit of what Capaldi's doing. And I can see it turning people off. Uh, right. But on the other hand, I'm seeing a lot of great things being written about how crackling and, and, and sparkling the dialogue has become between him and Clara. I think it's given her more of a purpose. I think it's, right, which she needed. She totally needed. I think it's given her more of a, like almost like a caretaker. Like I don't know what this guy's going to say next, but I got to be there for it. Um, yeah. Uh, and and more of an equal um, than she was before. Uh, so I think that's that's been interesting. And um, I mean, I just think he's hugely watchable already. But I like where they're going with it. I like that he's he's a bit more distant and. Um, you know, they're bringing more mystery back, and we don't know every single little thing about him. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I would say I'm definitely enjoying his portrayal more than I am the actual stories themselves. Okay. You know, although this new story, the trailer, I don't know if you've seen the trailer or the clips for this new story, uh, called, the, is it called The Tenant? Uh, yeah, for this, this the one that's on tonight, Yeah, right? The Caretaker, I yeah. think it is. Yeah. There's a clip between he and... Uh, Clara, that's hilarious. Uh, you know, Tim just telling he's going to be this janitor and what he's doing. Uh, very funny. Um, you know, I, and I hated the, the the Robin Hood one. I just hated it. 
<laughs> I didn't, didn't see the point at all. Um, all right, so there's that. Um, uh, so, so Patrick Warburton might come back and do the tick. Is that what you're telling me? I, I saw a, a mention of that, yeah. yeah, that they were talking about redoing that, I think, on Amazon. Oh, man. Which would be crazy. I think people would eat that up with a spoon. Just to, after all this time, and it, you know, it was it was not it was not a hugely successful run the first time around. Well, I think but it got, uh, was very very funny. It's very funny, and it got jostled, I think, as well. So the two or three of the episodes never aired. I don't think. Right. Uh, but it was good as as such things go. You know, you, these things happen all the time. With you hear about these things for years like they're rumored for years in all different ways. Could it come back as a cartoon, live action? If it does, how's it going to be? Well, the thing finally happened. You had Ben Edlund involved. You had, it was Barry Sonnenfeld, I think, right? That yeah, it was. Executive produced it. You had Patrick Warburton. Couldn't get better casting than that. And it kept the tone yeah. of, of the comic. And then it was just a matter of what are they going to look like? Uh, and it was it was fun. It should have ran run for a couple of seasons, so that would be wicked. I also read a quote on the same note, sort of. Um, I think it was at like a Sons of Anarchy premiere or something, uh-huh. where Ron Perlman said, "Oh, I'm always pushing for it." He's like, sometimes they're pushing a little harder, but sometimes I am. Sometimes it's just my voice, but every day, in some way, I'm trying to get Hellboy three made. Huh. I thought he was the holdout. That's what I thought. I thought his, his hang-up was, was all the makeup and stuff. Yeah. But it's like, dude, you're Ron Perlman. If anybody should be able to put this shit on in the dark, it's you. Right. You know? He's the king of prosthetics. Just do it. Give us another Hellboy. Please. That'd be interesting. I think, I think people would be down for that. It's been enough time. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so, um, the Pixar stuff, uh, what's the Star Wars leak of the week? Uh, well, this week, I don't know, are you following a lot of the leaks and stuff? Uh, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying not to, I'll tell you, the, 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 the quote, stolen plot synopsis that I have read in two different yes. places. If that ends up being true, or even partially true, I know these things are going to be better than what we got with those prequels, but I'm telling you, if this synopsis ends up being true, I'm going to be gutted. I'm (laughs) not going to be happy about where they decided to go with this. Okay. But, uh, so I'm afraid that I'm going to, the next thing I'm going to read is going to be like, (laughs) you know, Luke's head gets cut off in the first five minutes, and then... And they carry it around in a bowling ball bag. You know? So it seems like every week, though, now, there is, uh, like, an official sort of teaser leak and an unofficial one. So there's a long-running thing going right now between J.J. Abrams and Zack Schneider that they keep sort of doing little Twitter, Instagram things back and forth. Okay. And the one last week was a a shot of the Millennium Falcon of the, of the practical set, the actual thing that they built the full scale. And you hear the star Wars music and the camera kind of sweeps towards it. And then under it, 
and then looks up, and one of the things that makes up sort of the, the mechanics and circuitry of it is the Batmobile. And the music, ah. like, transforms into the Nolan Batman music. Okay. So that that was an official thing put out by uh, Bad Robot this oh, week. Oh, that's funny. Because there was that whole thing about the Batmobile leaked, the picture leaked uh, of it filming. Yeah. And then there was some story that came out about it being stolen. Stolen? Yeah, like someone literally stole it from the set. And then I think Abrams, uh, I can't remember if it was Abrams or if it was Snyder, one of them put together a picture on their Instagram that was a stormtrooper being arrested for uh, stealing the Batmobile. Like the Batmobile was there, there were two cops, the stormtrooper was in handcuffs, they were putting him into a, a, a police car. And then the response to that, so I guess that was probably Zack Snyder. So the response to that was then the Batmobile thing uh, on the Millennium Falcon. So that was the official one. There's two unofficial ones. And are we okay saying it, do we think? Are people all right with that? Um, um, I'm going to say yeah. Okay, so one of them is there was just a shot of a practical set that was outside. It looked like it had been taken from the sky. It was some sort of, we think, maybe rebel hangar. Yes. And there were several X-Wings there, and some of them in different colors that we have not seen before. Right. So that was one. And then the other's a little more recent, uh, and it's something called the Chrome Trooper, which looks like a chromed Stormtrooper helmet, even more sort of sleek with kind of a hood on over it. That is super badass. Did you see that picture? I did see that. Well, that I saw, yeah. I saw, I forget which site that I saw it on, but I saw that coupled with uh, pre-production art. Did you see this, of the Millennium Falcon? I don't think I saw that. There's pre-production art of the Falcon, and it's like it's kind of like hovering above the ground, and beneath it, there's a lightsaber duel going on. Uh, and then there's a third party over to the left of the, of the picture, uh, and it looks like it's kind of a snowy terrain that they're on. Uh-huh. Uh, but supposedly it's a it's a piece of production art, pre-production art for the film. Something else interesting yes. that I heard in the Star Wars universe. Uh, you know, Star Wars Rebels, it's a, the pilot is available right now if you're a Disney XD subscriber on like their website. You can view it. But otherwise, you can see it on October 3rd. Uh, but they're, they've said that they are very much trying to tie a lot of that series together with what we know, what they know will be coming for the future Star Wars movie episodes. And one of the guest stars they have said that will be on, I think, in the first season is Billy D. Williams. What? Yes. Well, so how does that work? Is that I why mean, people are clearly still talking to him? Is that why no one's? anything about episode seven they're just trying to say well we were going to surprise everybody with him being in rebels i don't know that but do they say he's, who he's playing he's rebels? still i think he's lando wow yeah you gotta have lando back i mean i haven't forgiven him but i think a lot of people have right you know and uh you know let's face it we need we need a little more a little more nice, wider of a palette, you know, in uh, in space. Yes. We got a bunch of white people and a couple 
different faces here and there. We need a little more than that. And and you know, if he doesn't if he doesn't try to jump all over Leia like he did every five minutes, if he can behave himself, maybe he can redeem himself and die. He should die. What? He should have died in Jedi. But he, he let's not kill Lando. You just want him back to kill him to redeem himself to. To, to he blew up a Death Star die for as you. a hero. Yeah, but he caused a lot of pain. But he got Han out of Jabba's palace. He caused Han... You know, let me tell you something. Being cryogenically frozen, it's not like your eyes are shut and they're just waiting. It's like a big, wide-awake nothing. Those are, those are Han's words in a deleted scene from Return of the Jedi. But, Some people describe this show as a wide-awake nothing. Well, I, you know what? They can unsubscribe. Those <laughs> people are. That's what I say to them. Well, all right. All right. Wide awake, nothings. Whoa, uh, easy. Uh, you know, it was and caused Chewbacca enormous amounts of pain. Luke um, has family issues now, of course, knowing about his dad, and uh, he's got uh, sciatica. That <laughs> yes, sciatica. The robot hand. Yeah. Right. Um, Chewie lost most of the hearing in his left ear, some of it in his right ear. Okay. PPO has never been the same since he got put back together. And I think you know what I mean. There's stuff he used to be able to do that's a little more tricky with the, with the reboot, the refit. Yes. And uh, R2 is just that little prick that, you know, floats above it all, never gets hurt. Everything's fine with him. Uh, so Lando did a lot of damage. Did a lot of damage just by going, hey man, they showed up before you got here. What could I do? You know, sorry, whatever. So he needs to he needs to redeem himself. He always should have. Wow. You know, I mean, maybe in the second one. But I'm telling you, if they bring everybody back and do the thing, the passing of the mantle, and by the third, uh, you know, third uh, phase of the film, all our principles get killed in a blaze of glory. I'm not going to be happy. Gee whiz. I don't think that's how it should I don't think that's how it should happen. Is that what you want to see? That everyone dies in a blaze of glory? Yeah, you don't want to see that, do you? No, I don't want that's to. That's what I'm saying. I don't want but, to see that. But you want Lando to die. Well just Lando, yeah. Well, that's harsh, man. I'm just saying it it'll it'll make him that much more legendary. Alright. Uh the Ghostbusters Blu ray set got released. First time Ghostbusters two has been uh, released on on Blu-ray, I believe. You okay. can get it the two DVD set, you know, together in a booklet kind of thing, or you can get a super duper deluxe thing that comes with a little statue of Slimer. It's like a hundred bucks, or you can get the two movies for like fifteen dollars at Target. Uh, I will let you decide. Uh, but it's fun to have them. It's hard to believe it's been so long since those classic uh, movies. Some great little extras, some some deleted scenes from Ghostbusters 2 that I'd certainly never seen before. Oh, um, nice. And great sections where, uh, you know, um, Reitman and Aykroyd are being interviewed about the process and about putting Ghostbusters together and then the sequel. And the sequel doesn't get a lot of love. Uh, it does not. It's too bad because while it is not a patch on the original, there's some really good stuff in there. Uh, there's some fun stuff, some funny stuff. It does. It peters out about two thirds of the way through. But some people say this show peters out about two thirds of the way through. But huh? who are these people you're hanging with huh? that are saying such negative things about our show? 
No, they're not really. Why, why must you hang out with such people? Come on, it's just a joke. Um, but it's it's got good stuff in it. Just seeing them back together again, and it it, it amps up pretty well. Um, it's, it's by the way, er, er, Ernie Hudson is in that awful uh, pilot for Scorpion. Oh, he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Oh, um, speaking of African American people in genre pictures, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yafet Kato is going to be at Philadelphia Wizard World, I think. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Saw on an email like, oh man, that would be cool. Yeah, I saw that too. That would be cool to see to see him. Up. I'd be afraid to say hello to him. He seems like a tough, tough guy. He's a teddy bear. But yeah, that would be that would be cool. Um, so a couple things uh, besides TV that I'm sure you're going to catch up on and, and watch. Um, film wise, I watched a couple documentaries. We're always talking about documentaries here and there. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, a Ralph Steadman documentary uh, called For No Good Reason. And it kind of covers his career and especially his collaborations with uh, Hunter S. Thompson, um, different things he was contracted to do, his upbringing. And you get to watch him at work as well. Uh, so, so for people that don't know, Stedman was the producer of Regis and Kathy Lee, right? Yes. It's a, it's a two-hour – it's a six-volume documentary about the D-bag that, that produced – Regis and Kathy Lee. Ralph Steadman is a British artist, um, uh, a one-of-a-kind, unique vision uh, this guy has. Uh, when you see his stuff, you'll recognize it and never forget it. And it's, it, I think most people were exposed to it through Rolling Stone in the 70s. Mm-hmm. When he would add artwork to certain articles, and then when he hooked up with Hunter S. Thompson and actually went to certain events where Hunter S. Thompson was supposed to be documenting what went on at said event, but really ended up going on a, a two or three day drug binge, the, the both of them, uh, and kind of going insane. Um, whatever insanity he caused, you know, the gonzo journalism was just find a story, jump in and become part of the story and write the story. That was what they said gonzo journalism was. And when they were there, um, Stedman, you know, you know, drew pictures of the madness going on around them, whether it was uh, Thompson himself or, you know, creatures that were hanging around or strange people or whatever. And so his stuff is, you know, it's really interesting because it's a combination of like Terry Gilliam kind of. And yeah, it is. Um, who's the guy that always drew for um, the New Yorker? Gahan? Is it Gahan? Gahan, or I forget, but it's it's a weird combination. But you can see the madness in, in Gilliam's stuff, in his stuff for sure. Yeah. Um, but it's a really interesting documentary. Just watching him work, you know, just just literally taking a couple paintbrushes and just splashing a couple different colors on canvas, and with no idea what he's going to paint, and yeah. start to go, ooh, I think I see something there. That no, nope, that could be a horse. Hang on, and then suddenly, you know, drawing in some eyes, and then airbrushing something else, and before you know, you've got this another masterpiece that's been done. Uh, but it's pretty cool. So Johnny Depp is like the host, kind of walks you through it and, and reads some of Hunter S. Thompson's um, uh, correspondence, you know, with the, the voice he did for uh, the film of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Right. Uh, Trudy Grant shows up in it, Terry Gilliam. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. But I also uh, re-rented something I, I saw when it was on like 10 years ago. Did you ever see this one called A Decade Under the Influence? 
that sounds familiar. Tell me. It was an IFC uh, special. It was it was three parts, and it was written and directed by Richard Lagravenier's and Ted Demi, just before Ted Demi died. And the gist of it was, uh, you know, it's tribute to cinema of the 70s in, in America and how everything got radical and the studios were turned upside down because the old was the old guard was kind of stepping aside and all these new guys were ushering in and you had, you know, Francis Ford Coppola and Martin Scorsese, besides the studio heads, but these are the directors and writers and Robert Altman and Steven Spielberg and George Lucas and uh, Brian De Palma and just these uh, this amazing output of creativity that changed everything. It, it saved the studios. Uh, it pushed boundaries left and right. It made box office massive. The Godfather, then The Exorcist, then Godfather Part Two, then Jaws. Just each one was bigger than the last. And then, of course, culminating with Star Wars, which changed everything. Uh, but it's it's a if you have uh, a curiosity about such things and it's it's a it's an era that I'm very very familiar with and and kind of fascinated by. Uh it's really cool to to take a look at this and how things were changing in the late 60s. This slow burn started to happen and then for a brief time when they start listing in this documentary the five or six pictures that got nominated each year for best picture, it's it's astounding the quality that that w- was there. Just just amazing each each year. And then of course as all good things, you know, come to an end, it came to an end when um, budget started to get out of control, and then it became, let's have, let's let's, you know, do six different endings in case we don't know what the people want, and let's have another screening and get a focus group in here, and I think we need a talking monkey that should be animated, and and everything changed, but for a brief time, you had an incredibly um, fertile uh, time in American cinema. Which right. uh, the the seventies. I mean, there's so much beautiful stuff that came out of there. So it's it's a pretty cool. It's one disc you can rent through Netflix, and it's three parts. And uh, you know, maybe it'll turn you on to you know trying other films that you hadn't thought of, of seeing before. Hmm. I can't remember if I saw that or not. I mean, it sounds incredibly familiar, but well, there's another one that was based off a book called Easy Riders and Raging Bulls, and that was made into a documentary on its own. So you might have seen that one too. Okay. Similar, similar kind of ground was was covered. Um, but uh, yeah, just so much stuff that we love, like The Exorcist and Alien and Close Encounters and the Godfather movies and the Conversation, Apocalypse Now, um, you know, Star Wars, all this stuff. The footage, the Star Wars footage, is amazing because you just got the you forget, you know, that there were lines around the theater to see this thing and just these great just really beautiful shots of people coming out remember how you used to come out the back door of a theater yep. remember that oh sure you'd kind of come out into a into an alleyway sort of thing yeah and film crew just going what did you think what did you think oh my gosh it was just it was amazing it was the the, the most fun film i've seen in years or oh my gosh it's such a great relief from all the heaviness that's going on in the world. Like just these instant reactions, summer of 77 and people coming out of Star Wars and, and just the phenomenon that it became 
uh, with just the people you know, waiting in line to see this. And they had, you know, you'd look at the marquees and it'd be like midnight showing, 2 a.m. Like it was running round the clock. They would run that thing because it yep. would sell out every every uh, show. Did you have that where like it just became a thing where it was be, I'd be out with my my cousin and his dad my uncle and it would just be we'd be having dinner at some Chinese restaurant and suddenly his, his dad would be like hey I noticed uh, Star Wars is playing a couple doors down you guys want to see Star Wars again tonight you want to go to the 8 o'clock show and it was just like I just called my parents they said yeah and it was just like boom let's go it just became like hey should we see Star Wars again let's go right now yeah because it was out for so long you know yeah did you I mean how many times did you see it when it was Oh, golly. Because uh, even with, I remember going back and seeing it again when they re-released it. You know, had it say episode four at the at the opening crawl. I, I would probably venture to say ten-ish times. Yeah. I was, I was saying at least 13, 14 times. Yeah. You know, uh, and it was just, it just became the, the thing to do. Like it was as if you owned it at home and could just pop it on at home. That's what it was like. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, did you ever go, do you remember, and I have this still, I have the little Kenner booklet, but when it was re-released in 79, and it said this in the ad in the paper, there would be a, a, pre, a sneak preview for The Empire Strikes Back after the movie. Right, yeah. They didn't, do you remember that? Yeah. They didn't, I never understood that. They, they didn't show it before, but it was after the movie. And then you also would get a special Kenner uh, catalog booklet, which had puzzles and games in it and uh, rebate coupons for certain toys. Yeah. And I still have that friggin' puzzles and games booklet with, <laughs> with the coupons. And I remember going to that 79, um, uh, you know, re-release and seeing the, the preview for Empire, you know. Anyway, it's it's a pretty cool, pretty cool documentary, and it takes me back to a another time, nice another place. Um, what else you got for me? Um, well, I just watched uh, the other night. I watched that documentary. I know that voice, the the voiceover documentary. Oh, I watched that. Yeah, it's a fun little thing. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's a, it's a for people I think that are. Way on the outside, I think it is more interesting than people that have done that sort of thing. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, it's it's fun just to see. I mean, they, they got a tremendous amount of people uh, to, to do that. So I thought that was fun. Yes. And I'm going to take a drink for just a moment. So yes. hold on a moment. Well, now that I've got your attention, everyone, let's talk about Daniel Pickett. Don't you think he might have a drinking problem? I don't. I mean, I've, just, I've been I've been a l slightly under the weather. Oh, sorry. So I've been muting my microphone, so I'm not like coughing and drinking and stuff. So back. Never mind. I got a little dry there for a moment, but I'm okay now. That's what she said. What? That hurts. Come on. So yeah, I think the other thing I just wanted to, to mention was just kind of the 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 thing that's happening at Walgreens. And at Target yeah, right now, and, and maybe to a lesser extent, Toys R Us. Is, is Walgreens becoming a fucking toy capital? Yes. What is going on? So they've got this new guy. I think his name is Stephen Annie, uh, who is the buyer there. Uh -huh. 
and he is he's being very sneaky about it, but <laughs> he's put together some deals. I mean, we know about the exclusives. We know about the Marvel Legends Agent Venom. We know there's uh, is that nurse, My Little Pony. We know that uh, there's the, the white Boba Fett that everyone's after right now. Right. Uh, I think talked about slightly less is the four-inch Dalek, the uh, the Genesis Dalek. Oh, I got one. I got one, too. But They're nice. They've started to, uh, apart from the exclusives, he's put together some deals to be getting a bunch of stuff first into Walgreens. Uh, they're for the first to get Star Wars uh, Black Six Inch Wave Four, the Darth Vader, Jedi Luke, uh, and Chewbacca Wave. They're the first to get the Lego minifigures Wave Twelve. Um, what else did I see? It just there's all this stuff sort of sneaking in. Oh, they've got uh, a special wave of uh, Walking Dead figures. The McFarland Walking Dead figures that they just got in. That's oh yeah, uh, I know they're like on an end cap. I noticed. Yeah, in some the, of them. Uh, did you say Big Hero Six? Uh, they were the first. That's the other one. Yeah, Big first, Hero Six. First that's the first those. place I've seen that. Yeah, and they've got these wacky like original things. Like like they have a uh, a Captain America Winter Soldier uh, remote controlled Captain America on the mo- on a motorcycle. Yeah, which is a completely original toy. Uh, just for Walgreens, yeah, you know, and it's like ten bucks. I mean, some of the stuff is really cheap too. Um, but it's, I just think some things like that are kind of fun. Yeah. Um, uh, I haven't seen the Star Wars stuff. I haven't seen any of that. But I, I just I think it's that. groovy that they're carrying Doctor Who figures. It's just like what? Yeah, and the Sonic screwdriver. And the Sonic screwdriver. Which, oh, by the way, I've got the new Sonic screwdriver. There's a new one. So you've got the you've got the eleventh one, which is what's out, but there's a new twelfth Doctor Sonic screwdriver, which Ooh. is touch sensitive. Oh and so are you has a little core that can be taken out of its bottom. And <laughs> so can I. Oh my. Uh, and it's it's very cool. So I now have all the official Sonic screwdrivers. Nice. I could I could hold this place would be secure for months if there was an attack. Right. Every Sonic imaginable. So yeah, that that Walgreens thing is just—it's really interesting. Yeah. And the guys on Twitter and interacting with fans and asking them what they want next, and uh, you know, it's just—it's so strange. But it feels like it's sort of filling in those gaps of all that stuff we've been missing since you know Tower Records and Suncoast and a lot of those things went away. Target just is starting to put up an end cap in the toy department. Uh, that features mostly Funko stuff, Funko and McFarlane, called like the Collector's Corner. And it's got, uh, they've got an exclusive pop vinyl unmasked Batman. They've got the the newer wave of McFarlane Walking Dead that's Glenn and Maggie and the Scorched Zombie, Scorched Walker. Uh, they've got some of the... Uh, Assassin's Creed figures, it looks like, uh, and they're getting the the uh, reaction stuff. They're getting Terminator and Back to the Future and some other things. I think Firefly. So all sorts of new places to be on the lookout for cool stuff. Absolutely. No, it's, it's weird. I, I remember, I don't know what it was that I came across at Walgreens. I mean, some of it was the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, but then 
there's there's a there's two that are kind of near me. One is 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 a much bigger area for for the toys. Um, and then suddenly it was like, oh look, there's some Spider-Man figures and there's some this and that. And I was just suddenly became this huge toy section that they had. Yeah. And the Doctor Who stuff knocked me out. Like I could not believe they would be carrying Doctor Who figures. Right. Uh, and the Genesis, and have an exclusive on top yeah, of Yeah, the Genesis Dalek is an exclusive to Walgreens. Um in case people, you know, don't don't know that. Um so so yeah, it's another another fun spot to be looking for stuff. You never know what you're gonna find. So I salute them. I salute them too. For doing with that. Both salutes. Both hands. <laughs> you know, two handed salute. Two handed salute. At some point, it seems like you're just shielding your eyes from the sun. I'm doing the Kirk salute from, what's the one where you, mirror, mirror, where you punch your chest and do the, yeah, yeah, yeah. doing one of those. Okay, that's not the same as a two-handed well, salute, though. Can be. Uh, well, that's a whole lot of talk. That's an hour and a half. That's too much talk. We should. You think it's too much? I think we should erase it and start over. All right, well, I'll go back and I'll cut out all your parts and just leave me. Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> that'll be just talk. That'll keep them tuned in. Just talking and coughing. That'll that'll keep the viewers happy. Exactly. Uh, Are there viewers now? Say again. There's viewers. Oh yeah, yeah. They just sit there and stare at their MP3 player. Immersive experience. Wow. Using their imaginations. Uh, yeah, that was good stuff. It is good stuff. I agree. Good. Uh, nice work. Nice working with you. And with that, we're going to close it up. Wrap it up. For, for another fine episode. Be sure you you talk to us on the Twitters and on the Facebooks uh, and on the, the GeekShellInherit.com page. There's some people that comment on the page itself. And uh, we thank you all for listening. And uh, tell your friends. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. We're good people. Yeah, please do. Spread it around if you're you know still happy and you still like talking to us. And leave us some notes and... and- and next, uh, what is it, Monday maybe, uh, the, uh, the, the 30th, is National Podcasting Day. Is it? So that, that's the perfect time to tell. Maybe we'll post this episode on National Podcasting Not a day. bad idea. Yeah. We're doing our and bit. And you tell your friend. We're doing exactly. our bit for National Podcasting Day at, at, yes. at no consideration for our own safety. That's, or that's exactly expense. right. Expense. Uh, the least you guys can do is, is give a listen and tell your friends. And tell your friends. That's right. And give us, uh, give us, uh, you know, any ideas you might have. And, you know, my favorite holiday of the year, I think it's one of your favorite holidays, uh, is coming up. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that next episode because we'll be officially in October. Yep. So there's plenty to say about. Start start thinking of stuff you want us to talk about. Okay. Ruby stuff. That sounds like a plan. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Have a good week, and we'll talk at you soon. Thanks, everybody. Shiny. Let's be bad guys. I know Kung Fu. Show. Secrets of nature's deepest mystery.